This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 145 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we share tips for reducing rider anxiety. Critter of the show is the raccoon. In Critter Nutrition, we focus on balancing the Vata dosha for horses and dogs during the fall and winter months. And in Coffee Clatch, we discuss making a plan. Listen in. I'm Coach Jen. Patty's not here today. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> we cannot get you two in the same room together anymore. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so funny. This year, it we've had more um, mi- missing mi- show misses uh, of our schedules not exactly synchronizing. But hopefully this is the last one of the year that um, Patty and I and Jennifer aren't all together. The... Uh, dynamic trio it's it's not the same without all three stooges you know it is exactly it's just not the same it's just not the same so this is the part of the show where either i ask patty and tigger some probing questions and make them squirm a little bit or we catch up on their latest adventures and i think this time we get to catch up catch up on some canine adventures at the Tigger household, don't we? Well, yes. Um, My oldest dog, Kimasabi, went in for his regular health check, and I was telling the vet that he's um, having trouble eating his raw bones, and he's just licking them more than, like, gnawing on them. And so he goes through his mouth, and he says, oh, he's got some gingivitis. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. Um, So I made an appointment for him to get the gingivitis worked on, which is a little bit of, I guess, oral surgery. And I've never had a dog in all, I'm 68 years old, not a dog I've ever owned has ever had to have oral surgery. So this was new territory for me. So I drop him off and then they, you know, call me and they had to extract two back molars who were, which were loose and, you know, they didn't want them to abscess. So that was kind of a shocker. So uh, I go and pick him up and, you know, they give you this, you know, laundry list of things you have to do and give and blah, 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 you know, soft food, da, da, da. Well, Sabi absolutely refused to eat last night after his surgery. And I thought, okay, well, it's the anesthesia and blah, blah, blah. And I was worried because I had to give him this antibiotic and he didn't have anything in his stomach. So I, I literally crammed down some uh, some raw food, and then I thought, well, this morning, you know, he'll be back to his normal self. Nope. Wouldn't touch it, wouldn't take it, wouldn't smell it, nothing. And I'm like, okay, this dog lives to eat, so clearly there is a problem here. So I called the vet, and just, you know, let them know. The vet, of course, wasn't in yet. So I went and got some Pepsid thinking, well, maybe he's got an upset stomach. So I give the Pepsid and the vet calls back and I tell him that I'm trying the Pepsid. And he said, I think it's pain and not an upset stomach. But, you know, you can give the Serena, which is a anti-nausea pill that I just happen to have on hand. And you need to give a stronger pain med. So I tested Sabi after about an hour after the Pepsid and still nothing. Well, you know, I'm like a Jewish mother with my dogs, my horses. If they don't eat, I'm like, okay, you know, Houston, we have a problem. (laughs) And, you know, Sabi, no treats, no nothing. I'm like panicked. So I give them the Serena. 
and then I give him um, a, a, a more serious uh, painkiller. And and what I noticed was within about a half an hour, he was like out. I mean, he was out, but in a comfortable out. Like he was on his side, his legs were stretched Aww. out. And up until that point, he had been he'd been sleeping, but more hunched. Yes. And so tonight I thought, okay, you know, let's, I just gave him a little cooked food in a nice broth. And at first he went, and I thought, oh God, you know, next step, emergency vet, get fluids or something. And then I just put some in my hand and then he, you know, took, took a tongue out and took, and went, Oh, not so bad. Took another, took another. Then I just put the bowl down, then he ate everything up. So I think we are um, not over the hump, but um, he's going to be on medication for a few days. So you you cracked the nut, though. I I, I did crack the nut, and... um, Yeah, it's, it's horrible when they don't eat, and... And, and and he had these – his eyes looked really sad, but everything else about him was normal. You know, he went outside. He was functional. He, you know, he came and wanted, you know, his head scratch. I mean, all, all the, the behavior things were normal. Yeah. Because sometimes they can really, like, let you know in a more dramatic way. Mm-hmm. But he's so stoic. You know, the only thing that he really showed me was the way he was sleeping and and not eating. But I'm happy to report Kimasabi is eating, and I expect him to have a very good appetite tomorrow. And uh, we we will um, file this in the glad it's over category. Yes. Oh my goodness, how stressful for everybody. Yeah, except for the other dogs who were like, what's wrong with you? And can I have his food? <laughs> yeah, well, they're just trying to help, right? <laughs> Don't leave anything to waste. No. Because in our house, anything that's that's left over goes to the chickies. So we have a complete system. I mean, there there is no... <laughs> you, have a, you have a closed system? <laughs> we have a totally closed system. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, speaking speaking of a, a stressful few days, our roundtable today is tips for re- reducing writer anxiety at home and at shows. Yes. What was the, uh, what was the spark that brought this one on? It was you. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> the pictures you posted on Facebook of taking your horse to a uh, dressage show at WEC. And um, even though you didn't say anything about anxiety, the photos and, and you know, Nigel is a, a challenging thoroughbred. So I just put two and two together and went, hmm, rider anxiety. Something <laughs> that I think 99% of us all experience in some form or another. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be, you know, anxiety, performance anxiety. It can be a, a fear because the horse has either dumped us once or twice or is a jackass in the warm up, or, you know, we know the judge or we, we the judge is Oh, held I cannot such- imagine if I knew the judge. Oh, hell, that would be <laughs> awful. I couldn't do it. <coughs> yeah, oh. that's hard. And, or a judge that we hold in high esteem, you know, that you want to put in a nice test for. Um, and then you get, you know, very anxious that you're going to kind of blow it. So, um, over my show career, I have learned ways to manage my anxiety or anxiety of getting on a new horse. You know, sometimes when you're like, when you're trying a horse to buy, that could be a very anxious, um, period because you don't know the horse. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever been bucked off or thrown or, you know, um, summarily planted, (laughs) especially as an adult, you go, you know, okay, I want to make sure that that this horse is going to, you know, behave under tack. And I have tried horses that there was one in Europe 
and I the the agent I was with. He actually wanted me to get on this horse, not for me, but for a client he had. He said, Terry, will you get on this horse? I said, sure. And I saw the, you know, I watched the horse being ridden. And I climbed on and put my leg on the horse. And the horse basically said, meh, yeah, no. And I went, yes. And I just really closed my legs and just gave a little bit of a spur. I mean, a little bit. And that horse went bronk. <laughs> he sunfished in the air and I could feel myself kind of my balance was going to the right and I remember thinking to myself I am not falling off in front of these Germans I am not <laughs> going to do it and I, I managed to right myself in the air and get in the middle of them again oh yeah oh yeah and then afterwards they were like wow he's, he's a hell of a bucker isn't he and I'm like <laughs> well yeah but they were looking at this horse, for, you know, my, my, the agent was looking at this horse for an, an older amateur rider. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Maybe anyway. he wasn't a good older amateur rider fit. Oh my gosh. No. Um, that he tried to run away with me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, there you go. They were outed. He just decided to take off. Oh, it was pretty funny. Um, anyway, a- anxiety is a big problem. And it is, you know, obviously horses have anxiety. And when riders have anxiety, it feeds the anxiety in the horse. And some horses are really good at, you know, kind of tuning out the rider and go, you can be all- as nervous as you want. I know what my job is. Those horses for me are the saints of the equine world. Yeah. God bless them. Yeah. I have never owned one, but I... <laughs> Certainly imagine that must be wonderful to have. Um, So I have, um, over the years, come up with things that I find helpful. Mm -hmm. So, But first I would ask, Jennifer, what do you do for your anxiety? Um, Or do you do anything? Do I do anything? My anxiety centers around um, self-inflicted need for perfection. I've got to get it all right. I can't make any mistakes. Oh boy. And that's, that's self-induced. That's just yep. me. And I can't help it. So that's where my anxiety comes in more than anything else. And it's something that I've only very, very, very like <laughs> the past 90 days started to <laughs> wrestle with. Thank mm-hmm. you, Melina. So um so, yeah that and I think the first the first thing is what is your because a lot of people focus on what causes the anxiety the horse show yeah. the horse show or or my horse is nervous that causes me to be anxious what I had to focus on is where my anxiety was focused what was I mm-hmm. anxious about about because there can be anxious because I always associate anxiety with fear and that wasn't something I've really dealt with so much it's like no no, I know what fear feels like and this isn't it Um, when Nigel puts his head between his knees and bucks yeah there's a little bit of fear but for the most part that doesn't that's not there Uh, so that was really for me to finally realize that the reason I am anxious and I have that whole butterflies in your stomach can't sleep nervous energy thing uh-huh. is my brain is going 90 miles an hour trying to go through every imaginable scenario and making sure I have every single base covered so they don't make any mistakes. Wow. That's exhausting. That was exhausting. Exactly. So I, I came to that. It's like, Oh, okay. That's light bulb moment. Now that I'm 50 something, what the next step was, okay, well now how do I help to, uh, negate some of that. I'm always going to mm-hmm. have it. It's part of my yeah. being. How can I negate some of that? So that is something we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show. Gotcha. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, talk boy. about tying it all together. Ah, so I think that's, that's something that's that's, so, that folks, maybe somebody who has been wrestling with the anxiety 
alligator for a while, mm-hmm. it might be because where you th- where you think your anxiety is coming from isn't really it. Or if you have your anxiety, you think it's directed towards north, it might be directed towards west. So maybe think a little bit further yep. outside your box and you might be able to come to grips with some more of it. That's a very good point. Yeah. So how about that, eh? I discovered um, in my journey that I learned more from the bad tests than I ever learned from the good tests. So Yeah, but sometimes you don't want to learn. Sometimes you just want to feel good and get an ice cream. Yeah, I <laughs> um but that really helped <clears throat> that helped my anxiety. Because if I could look at it as, as a win-win. Okay, so I have a bad test, but I'll learn something. Mm-hmm. I have a great test, I'll feel fabulous about it so i have nothing to lose i I, I win in both cases you're right you have nothing to lose so that helped me just mentally be able to kind of ride the horse i had that day not the horse i wanted to have not the horse that he was yesterday um what i have in the show ring there you go yeah that that is very interesting point of view that if the test is great, I'm going to feel fabulous. Yep. If the test is less than great, if I'm doing this correctly, I will be learning things. Um, that I will I have learned that X worked, yep. Y didn't work. I've learned that yep. my horse really genuinely does have a problem with with scary plastic rails, and I didn't know that before, so you've learned. Yep. So either way, you still win. Yes. Cool. I like it. Hello. Hetty. Hello. Are these all my friends or are people taking time off again? (laughs) (laughs) People are taking time off again. Hmm. I'm beginning to feel like I should have a vacation if everyone is going on them. Well, would you like one? Yes. Okay. We will arrange for Hedwig to have a vacation. We will do it. I want the most wonderful vacation. Uh Uh-oh. To come with a jet? (laughs) Well, of course, a jet will be required for me to go on my vacation. You certainly cannot expect me to vacation at home. I do not vacation. No, of course not. Well, that's, that's interesting that you bring that up, Hedwig, because our question for the day has to do with anxiety. And we all know that dogs are extremely, extremely perceptive when it comes to how their human servants are feeling. And we were wondering, what is it that makes your human servant anxious? Being alive. Oh, my. Failing and being alive while failing. Those are mainly it. Being alive and failing. And she fails, so, you know. How, how, how is it, how is it Hedwig, that you and the other uh, Pomeranians help out your human when she is busily being anxious about failing? Well, I mean, I like to indicate the many ways in which she has failed already. Because I feel like that's just a good way for her to realize that she's still here, failing and failing and failing, but still here. And so, you know, she could persevere and try not to be quite so useless all the time. I feel that's very encouraging. Oh, I see. So so by pointing out how she has failed in the past and the fact that she's still here. So what if you fail? Just you're still here. So what if you fail? So you're teaching her to be apathetic. I like it. No, I think you're missing my approach here. I like to detail the many ways in which she has failed. And then I hope to, you know, in doing so, push her toward achievement. By pointing not out apathy. how she, by, by pointing out all the things she has not yet achieved. And the many times she's tried and failed. It's important to really go through the whole thing because it's not that she doesn't try. Sometimes she does. 
she's just terrible at things. And so the failures just accrue. This is why I don't have a Pomeranian. An Australian Shepherd would say, you're the most wonderful thing. I don't care if you have failed or you think you're worthless or you're feeling badly. I love you. Yes, that's the soft bigotry of low expectations. <laughs> so, so how anxious would your human have to become for you or perhaps mustard seed? to mustard seed being your sibling, by the way, for those who are not familiar with Hedwig's family, how terribly, terribly anxious would she have to be before one of the Pomeranians would cuddle up and say, we love you anyway? Oh, this is mustard seed. That is not going to (laughs) happen. What? The way I like to go about things is I say, look, Biggin, you're oversized. You're funny shaped. You don't really have a suit that's proper. And you're kind of irking on me. So if you could just go out of the room, remember, safe social distancing is eight feet from your Pomeranian. That would be amazing. And then I just, if you happen to have a snack like a wonton, I love wontons, maybe you could hand it over and then just go do something else. That would work out really well for everyone. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you, Mustard Seed. Wow, Mustard Seed came on and chatted with us for a little bit. That's yeah, a that's a first. You're well, really fortunate, huh? We are very fortunate. We, yes. we, we feel so very privileged. I think I like your voice even more than Hedwig's. Yeah. Who could blame you? I'm adorable. <laughs> my well, face is a tiny bit misshapen due to some skull damage from my whole puppy mill past but I am so cute and I have tiny tusks <laughs> well we love you and your tiny tusks and we love Hedwig despite the fact that you're not quite willing to return it but we'll keep working on it and thanks for hanging out with us Pomeranians bye The critter of the show is the raccoon, and raccoons are just one of my personal favorite wild animals. I had a, a, a blue healer that I named Rocky Raccoon because he kind of had a raccoon face, the mask, and he was long-haired, and he had a, a actual tail, um, and he just was very raccoonish. So I'd sing him the Rocky Raccoon song from the Beatles. <laughs> and we have a lot of raccoons here. The dogs tree them sometimes. And last summer, a baby raccoon was left by its mother out by one of my trees. And I waited and, you know, waited for the mother to come get it. And it was getting dark and I was worried. And so I brought it in and... Luckily, I had gloves on, and I got this baby formula, and I'm trying to feed it, and it didn't want to eat, and then it hissed at me and made it like it was going to bite me, and I went, okay, all righty. So I took it back out to the tree, and um, I checked like two or three hours later, it was gone. So mama came back. Um, anyway, I find that raccoons are fascinating I love the fact that they're thieves. I love their cleverness. But I've just learned a whole lot about raccoons, picking them for breed of the show. Um, They are native through most of North America, but they've also emerged in parts of Europe and Japan. Not interesting. They hitched a ride, I guess, on some ships. They're omnivores. Um... They will eat human food. Um, They love, they like to eat birds, which I didn't know. Eggs, fish and shellfish. They eat frogs, fruit, insects, nuts and seeds, and they eat snakes. Huh. Um, They're nocturnal in nature. They're most active in spring, summer, and fall. And they sleep in their dens for most of the winter. I did not know they were, you know, they hibernated like a bear does. Uh, reproduction begins in late winter. 
The females give birth to one to six kits in April or May, um, and then they separate after a year. But raccoons, um, as adults, they live in in communities of four to five raccoons in like a tree stump or a den for protection against predators. They communicate with each other using over 200 different sounds and 12 to 15 different calls. Really? Huh. Very interesting. I didn't know they I didn't know they had vocalizations that I that didn't many, either. You know? Yeah. Um there are of course great climbers as anybody who's ever treated a raccoon knows. Um they are um they can carry some bacterial diseases and parasites, uh, leptospirosis, salmonella, roundworm, and rabies. Um, but there's only been one recorded human death from raccoon rabies in the United States. So um, it's not all that common. Uh, raccoons will rinse their water, their food in water. And when there's no water close by, a raccoon will still rub the food to remove debris. Um, The purpose of the raccoon's black mask is to reduce glare, which helps them see better in the dark. Sadly, uh, raccoons only live two to three years in the wild. Really? Yep, but a raccoon can live up to 20 years in captivity. I would not have. So I would not have put a, them with that short of lifespan because I always, I always envisioned being kind of a tough little character, you know. Me too. There's a, uh, I don't know if it's a YouTube video. It, it's old, you know, maybe ten years old. But this this raccoon um, opening the this sliding glass door to get to the cat food of this person's house, and. And it's the funniest thing I have ever seen. And the cat is just staring at the raccoon. And the raccoon is like, yeah, what, what do you want? And, and just dives into the cat food. And then takes his lumpy little body and goes out, goes back outside. And it, 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 that's what I love about them. I love that they're opportunists. And they're clever. And... Yeah, I you know they're and they're not very big. They're they're only a foot tall, but when they puff themselves up, they seem really big. Yeah, um, <laughs> they and they only weigh fourteen to twenty three pounds, so they weigh more than a pomeranian by a lot. Huh? Yeah, and yet, yeah, and yet, if if you were to say which is bigger, a raccoon or a pomeranian, I'd say well they're pro- pro- probably pretty close, but considerably different. No, hugely different. And they're they're but they're long, you know. With that tail, they're twenty four to thirty eight inches long. Hmm. So, uh, although I I don't recommend a raccoon as a pet, it obviously they would have a much longer lifespan if they were domesticated. <laughs> And I would love to have a pet raccoon that didn't bite me or, you know, be unpleasant. Yeah, yeah. That whole it's it's easy to get sucked in because you do see the the occasional video of a cute little guy taking a carrot from somebody's hand or one that's been yep. domesticated or something. But you don't want to fool with a wild coon. No, no. After just dealing with that baby, yeah, I was like, okay. I'm really glad I had you know thick leather gloves on and. But I, I felt so badly because it was little and it needed food. And yet when I tried to feed it, it was like, yeah. I was like, okay, you're going back to the tree. <laughs> and luckily the mother came. And mama came back anyway. That's right. Mama came back so, anyway. Do you have a raccoon story? Well, I do have a raccoon story. It's, it's not a happy one, but it is a raccoon story. Oh. Well, the field where Nigel lives, for the most part, he's, he's an outside 24-7 guy. And the field he is in is at the far end of the property. It's only a 10-acre property, but it's long and skinny. It's like an acre wide and 10 acres long. So he's out there, and it's pretty remote. Um, so all of the wildlife hangs out in his pasture. 
the foxes are out there, the armadillos are out there, the raccoons are out there. Everybody is in his pasture. Oh, wow. And they use his water trough for everything, including washing all of the raccoon food. Ah. Um, But he has, the raccoon also discovered that occasionally Nigel will leave little drips and drabs of his breakfast or dinner near his feed bowl and has taken up going over there and collecting the little bits of alfalfa pellet or a little oat here and there, you know, all the good stuff. Nothing's going to waste, right? Right. Well, about a month ago, I was strolling out to feed Nigel his breakfast or his dinner. Don't remember which. He saw me coming and said, hot diggity, and he headed straight for his feed bowl, which is smack in the middle of the field. Because that's the way we have both of our horses sort of trained in that if they see us coming with food, they don't come to us. They go to the bowl where the food goes. So we don't get Gotcha. Well, the raccoon was still cleaning up as I strolled towards that feed bowl. And Nigel discovered this. So Nigel galloped enthusiastically to the feed bowl and I went, wow, he's really hungry. No, he galloped enthusiastically to the feed bowl and tromped the raccoon. <gasps> Just, yeah, that, that, that raccoon was history. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> because the, the raccoon was an, a, a mature raccoon. I'm pretty sure it was a female uh, just because I've been watching her go in and out of this hole in the tree for a long time and going, you yeah, know, she's got some kids in there maybe. And she was not afraid of anything. If I was walking down the path to the field, she was not getting out of my way. She would just stand up on her hind legs and, and give me the finger. <laughs> Nothing intimidated her. They're good at that. Yes. Well, I guess, yeah, yeah. She didn't have time to give Nigel the finger. So, Oh, yeah. my gosh dispatch that raccoon so yeah i'm a, I'm a little bit more careful with him when he's near small dogs now <laughs> yes because he, he's not he doesn't show tendencies that way it was very out of character for him to do that <laughs> but well, don't get near I, his feed bowl at chow time i guess is the lesson <laughs> clearly <laughs> wow that's a heck of a story <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, so there hopefully your horses aren't trampling uh, raccoons in your field. And, um, you know, just remember, raccoons are part of our ecology and, and you know, we need them. We shouldn't be Don't just... feed them, though. Don't feed them. Don't put food yeah, on don't, your back yeah. porch for your raccoons. Let your raccoons give, give do, do, do your raccoons a favor and give them natural habitat, not cat food. Correct. So now we're at Critter Nutrition, and we're going to talk about the Vata Dosha. And in Ayurvedic medicine, there are three doshas. They are Vata, Pita, and Kapha. Vata represents air and cool and wind. So when, as we go into you know, fall, winter, that is the time of Vata cold and windy so you want to start thinking about foods that will balance the cold and the wind in other words you want something that's more warming and and circulating and drying i mean uh, more moisture than drying because wind is drying so since we're going into a vata season there are some foods you can feed your horses and dogs that, or, or more importantly, what you need to avoid feeding them um, to help balance that dosha. So it, we, we generally start with fruits. And it's interesting in Ayurveda to, to decrease vata, to decrease the cold and the wind and the drying. You do not feed apples raw. You feed them cooked, which is a struggle in a lot of barns. I was going to say, how do you cook an apple for a horse? Yeah. Well, you would look for 
um, perhaps a a treat that already has a baked you know has baked apples in it. Um, or you could of course cook apples yourself. Um, but raw apple is going to increase the cool and the dry. Hmm. The uh, another alternative is applesauce because that's already cooked. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah, so if you give a couple t- tablespoons of applesauce, you're you're helping to um, reduce the the wind and the cold. Um, bananas that are ripe, not green. So, um, so that's pretty easy to find. Just let them get ripe. Um, berries are okay. Um, coconut is good. Um, you can do kiwis. I know some horses love kiwi. Kiwis, mangoes, oranges, papaya. Um, and these, these all apply to, to dogs as well. What you want to avoid are things like watermelon. That's something Green you give in the summertime, right? Yeah. yeah. Raw apples. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so those, th- these are the things that you, you would want to give, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to vegetables, again, you've got to think cooked cooked carrots now again what's well, you're, if you're feeding because we, we feed our carrots horses a lot of carrots Everybody bake the, does. Ba- roast them in the oven how would you cook them yep roast, roast them, in the, them in the oven boil them okay raw carrots are a problem if, if you want to balance vada and you want to keep them warm but pumpkin is good mm-hmm. you can feed summer squash winter squash uh, for dogs, sweet potatoes will reduce vada and zucchini. Hmm. Um, for dogs, you want to avoid white potatoes, uh, anything that's sprouted. That's just that's just too cooling. Mm-hmm. Now, would that apply to, to? And I don't even know if you would feed a dog sprouted grains. Well, there are you know there are foods commercial foods that use sprouted grains okay so that's why i'm mentioning it okay because i didn't even know if dogs could eat those that's that's what i know about dogs okay um in the grain department this this is to me the most interesting because it goes back really to um european and and um you know 19th century horse care uh cooked oats you know, and racehorse barns mm-hmm. really probably up until 15 years ago cooked their oats. Some of them down here still do. That's great because in the winter, that's what you want to do. You do not want to feed oats. If you're, if you're trying to balance vada and your horse gets cold easily, is, is sensitive to the wind and the dryness, skin gets kind of dry, then this, then you, you would want, if you're feeding oats, you would want to boil them. Hmm. Which I always figured was good for them anyway, but. Yes. It, well, it's certainly easier to digest. Yeah. Um, you want to stay away from barley. You want to stay away from corn. Um. Just to you go off topic, to, since I've got yes. you answering questions. Yeah. Is corn for a horse ever a good option? Or is it generally just speaking, just corn's not so great? I'm just curious. I think it depends on who you talk to. Uh, well, yeah. You ask five people, you get six, six opinions. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, my objection to corn is it's how it's grown. Gotcha. Right. So if you're one of those people who has a lovely garden and actually grows field corn, yeah, giving your horse a couple of tablespoons of cracked corn is not a fine. problem. Cool. Okay. That's good to know. Um, legumes are especially good for Vada. So this includes alfalfa. Nigel what will you- be so happy to hear that. What you want to avoid are soy beans, soy flour, soy powder. 
which makes it hard because soy is such a common ingredient in manufactured in, feeds. Correct. Correct. Good but enough. it's unfortunately contributing to a, a, a vata imbalance. And I think soy is a tricky thing. You know, the the traditional way of eating soy is like miso or tofu. It's a, it's a processed soy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we get in horse feeds is not. Ah, oh, so it's it's its nutritional content's going to be different because when you process it, that changes what your body can yes. absorb and how it absorbs it. Gotcha. Now, that makes exactly. perfect sense. I'm having so many light bulb moments today. <laughs> it's like riding a dressage test. Yeah. <laughs> um, for dogs, because they are primarily um, dairy consumers, um, the only thing you want to avoid is frozen yogurt and powdered milk. So they can have butter, buttermilk, cheese, cottage cheese, cow's milk, ghee, all that. Fresh yogurt. All dogs will be happy to hear that. I know. I'll be very popular. <laughs> um, in the nuts and seeds department, so we, we've got a bigger opportunity here for the horses. Almonds, coconut, pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds, sunflower seeds, all help balance vata. Hmm. Yeah. Um, for dogs in the meat and egg department, avoid lamb, pork, venison, and white meat turkey. White meat turkey? You can have, they can have the dark meat? Yep. That's, that's warming. Huh. Freshwater fish can be cooling, so you might want to stay with salmon and not, you know, not go with trout. If if you need to feed your dog or your horse an oil or you need a fat source, um, some of the, the best are is coconut oil, hemp seed oil. Camelina oil, sunflower oil. Um, you want to avoid canola, corn, flax, and soy. So, would that also apply to flax seed, or is flax oil? Flax seed oil. Okay, so you can give them flax seed, but you don't want to be giving flax oil in your if you're in this process of trying to balance. Yeah, I would. I would probably go light on the flax seed and go to chia because chia is neutral. Aha. Uh-huh. But if you need to feed an oil, make sure it's not canola, corn, flax, or soy. Good to know. Um, sweeteners. Um, this doesn't really apply so much to horses. Um, but here, here's a couple of obvious ones. Artificial sweeteners, white sugar, and heated or cooked honey. Raw honey is okay, but not heated or cooked. So whenever you buy honey at the grocery store, a lot Look of times it says it's been, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's the same thing you do to milk. Homogenized. No, it's the other one. Pasteurized. Pasteurized. That means it's been heated, right? Yeah. Does that count as being yep. cooked? Correct. There we go. Heated, Good to know. Heated or cooked. So there you go. So, so you, if you if you get honey at the grocery store, make sure you read the small print and know what you're getting. Get raw honey. I mean, what I'm what I'm sharing for horses and dogs applies to humans. So, you know, vada imbalances can tend to occur more in older humans, dogs, and horses. So dealing with vata imbalances becomes more, uh, I won't say important, but uh, we need to pay more attention to it, especially with the older animals and humans. So everything that I'm sharing also applies to humans. So if you get cold easily, 
um, if you're sensitive to wind, you know, start thinking about what you can eat that is warming. Because that's what you want to do. You want to warm the system. You don't want to keep cooling it down. So in terms of sweeteners, no artificial, no white, and no heated or cooked honey. But you can do things like maple syrup. You can do raw honey. Um, You can do date sugar. But... um, but not white sugar and not artificial sweeteners. And artificial sweeteners can be found in the most unexpected areas. You know, so really read your labels. (laughs) Um, Ayurvedic medicine is very uh, strong on spices. This has a little less to do with horses and dogs as it does with humans. Um, But what you want to avoid is horseradish, chili powder and fenugreek um if you want to add some some warming foods to uh your horse's diet cinnamon is great as a way to balance vada dill fennel ginger um turmeric parsley even um thyme so there are um there are herbs and spices that you know you can add a quarter teaspoon half a teaspoon to your horse's food to to help with warming and balancing vada when it comes to um supplements um to balance vada yeasts are warming so if you're looking at probiotics that are yeast probiotics, that will be warming and help balance VADA. Uh, Biostar has two circulation formulas that are warming, that will um, decrease dryness and increase circulation and warmth. That's Furnace and Circuvate. And our BioYeast, which is our probiotic yeast, that will be warming. That's a great yeast to use in the winter. I use it on my horses. It helps keep them warm. And more importantly, it helps balance the Vata wintertime. So that's, um, that's a basic Vata pacifying food list. And um, one of my favorite sources for uh, finding balancing foods depending on the season, is banyanbotanicals.com. And that's a great resource um, if you want to learn more about vada and pita and kapha. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. Well, here we are at Coffee Clatch. Fanfare, please. And we are going to piggyback this off of our roundtable discussion about anxiety because I alluded to the plan. <laughs> and again, Believe me, I'm a talk, listeners. I have no idea what she's got up her sleeve. No, you don't. This was also uh, predicated by our trip to a dressage show. 
Nigel and I do our best to do endurance. That's sort of our chosen discipline. We got sidetracked this summer because Nigel decided he needed to develop anhydrosis. So all work had to cease. And that his inability to work continued through September. All sorts of other things happened. We won't go into those. It's a show all by itself. (laughs) But about mid-October, he got his mojo back. So I said, dang, we got to go do something. And there's a horse show all the time down here this time of year. It's just nonstop horse shows. So I said, oh, look, there's a little dressage schooling show. Let's go. Something to do. A reason to get on my horse every day, right? Yep. I haven't been to a dressage show in probably 30 years. Whoa! Uh, I, I, uh, I, gave, I gave that up a long time ago. But I thought, wow, we can do this. We've, we've got this newly discovered, softer, more balanced, more connected horse. Uh, thanks to the regular visits from Dr. Pasteur uh, helping out his back. So we got set up. And I knew it would be a challenge because Nigel has a lot of triggers when he goes away from home. He doesn't travel well. So I had a plan. And as I alluded to earlier, I tend to plan and plan and plan (laughs) and plan. (laughs) So I, I got a stall the night before because, of course, I had the first ride of the day. Our horse show morning was supposed to be the chilliest morning to date in the season. It has typically been in the 80s at night. It was supposed to be in the 50s. Ooh, which makes for a spicy pony. Yeah. So I went the night before because I knew I'd have to get up early and ride him. So I did all of those things. And he did all the things I expected Nigel to do. He was afraid of going into the stalls. He he wouldn't eat. He wouldn't drink. All the things that he normally does. So none of that was a surprise. But unlike other times... Thank you, Helena. I said, I, the, the plan this time was not be married to the plan. And this, this mm-hmm. was really, really, really hard because I, I bet I don't just have a plan. I have a thousand plans. Right. Plan you know? A, B, C, and the whole alphabet. Yeah. That, that my, my Venn diagram is just the entire wall. <laughs> No Venn diagram. And that was hard because I got there the night before. He was kind of a yutz. Rode him in the arena. He was a yutz. None of the things were the plan. None of, none of the Venn diagram matched. And I was pretty frustrated at the end of the day when I put him in his stall and went to bed in my horse trailer. Pretty frustrated. Got up in the morning, five o'clock, take him out to hand graze because, of course, he hadn't eaten or drank all night. We hand graze. We eat grass. We have breakfast. We get on his back at 7.30 in the morning when the sun comes up. Again, none of it is in my Venn diagram. I rode him from 7 to 8, 7.30 to 8.30. That was our warm-up because that's how much daylight we had. And when I started my, when I went down the center line at A, we hadn't trotted yet. We had, because whenever I'd said trot, we bucked instead. Aha. Ah, not, not in my plan. So about, Five minutes before she rang the bell, I finally had a light bulb moment and said, there is no plan. I'm riding my horse. I'm riding my horse inside of a dressage arena. I know my test. I know where to go. And if he needs to walk the entire test because he's so wound up that trotting, he is me- mentally incapable of trotting, we'll just do that. And we'll file it away, like you said, under things we've learned. Now, luck would have it that we did manage to trot in most of the places we were supposed to trot. It was funny looking, but we were trotting. Um, But it changed how I felt about the test. It didn't change the test in the least. The test was the test was the test. He was hollow. He was upside down. He was tight. All the things that dressage horses shouldn't be when they compete, right? Right. Didn't change any of those things. But what it did change was how I felt when I left the arena. Mm Mm-hmm. I left the arena and I said, doggone it, we did that. We rode the test in a way that made him as content to do his job as possible. The whole goal is when he goes in there, I want him to enjoy his job. Yeah. And he left the arena and went, oh, well, well, that just, that wasn't really so bad. 
And then the test got next test got a little bit better. That's a whole nother show. But I let go of the plan. So because to me, it wasn't, well, I'm not married to my plan because I have this big Venn diagram. I have multiple plans. So that makes it okay to be married to my plan. I'm wrong. That doesn't make it okay. When, That's a huge life lesson. Huge. It was huge. And again, huge. thank you, Helena. Uh, it was huge to to even realize. I didn't even realize I was doing is that whole um, the first the first step in saw in getting better is realizing you have a problem, right? Yeah. It never occurred to me in all of my fifty plus years that all of that planning and those multiple plans. It's the same thing as making one plan and being made married to it. It's not any different. No. It didn't change how the horse performed. Nope. Didn't change how I rode. Well, maybe it did change how I rode a little bit because mental is part of how you rode. But it changed how I felt at the end of the day. I didn't have that whole, ugh, why do I even do this? Do this. Yeah, it fits right in with my, you know, it's a win-win. Exactly. And when you said that, I went ding, 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 ding. That goes right (laughs) next to it. Yeah. And it's again, now we language stuff. Yeah. And, you know, people have been telling me that for years, you know, it's, well, you learn from when things don't go well, you learn from things. Well, it's like, yes, I do learn. But it was always a case of I learned things, but it's that negative self-talk. I learned negative things. I learned what didn't work. I learned what didn't right. like. I didn't, 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 negative, negative. This time I learned what did. What did do well was getting to the, getting to K when I needed to do a walk to trot transition and just saying to myself, are we going to trot and waiting to see if he did? Well, he did because he's, he's particularly when he's wound up, he's that sensitive that if I think about trot, he starts to trot. He's one of those mm-hmm. guys and he did, but I let the choice to him to decide whether or not he wanted to trot or if he needed to keep <clears throat> walking because he knows that when I think trot, that doesn't mean buck. <laughs> Right, <laughs> but if I if I put my leg on him and say you will trot, if we're in that state of mind, then I know it does create the buck. But in, until that day, that no, that wasn't going to happen at a horse show. Just wasn't going to happen. So you you taught me something more, more light bulb moments, Tigger, more. <laughs> it's it it it's the great. I, I think that's one of the gifts of. Of competing is that that you that, that you do you do get these lessons and sometimes they're very painful, but sometimes they are life altering because what what you you learn in the win win situation is you apply it to everything else in your life. You know, it's it's the whole silver lining um, attitude, and I I think that. That's a, a much more um, balanced way to go through life because life throws us curveballs that we can't possibly have planned for uh, or, or expected. Or could plan for or should plan for. Right. In, in my case, I have to keep saying, do I really need to plan for that inevitability? Because mm-hmm. all my planning isn't going to change that inevitability, nope. right? No. Nope. Yeah. Cool stuff. Doggone it. <laughs> the animals are such gifts to us of of spiritual and emotional growth. Yes, even the raccoons. Especially the raccoons. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. 